Welcome back to The Maven Show. This is your host, Rohit. Today, we have Grant, the financial planner and entrepreneur. Thank you, Grant, for getting into the show. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Awesome. Uh, I think you've been into finances for long. You've been into taxes for long from probably like eight, more than eight years now. And you've been working with mid-sized companies and small companies as well into saving taxes and, you know, like leading, like, uh, like giving consultations to entrepreneurs to pay themselves the well way possible. So would you just like to give a quick intro about yourself, like how you got started with the finances and financial planning and so on? And even entrepreneurship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to. So I, I, I've been in the financial services industry for about 15 years. Okay. Uh, I, I formerly worked at Charles Schwab and Company Incorporated, and I resigned from a really good job to start this this firm back in 2014. So mm-hmm. we've been in business for about eight eight years now, and what we do is help small business owners and entrepreneurs uh, reach optimal financial destinations. And as you and, and I'm sure all your listeners know. When when you found a company, it's just inextricably linked with your life and your personal finances. Yeah. And it's hard to kind of separate those two things and put them into two different buckets. And the success of the company is going to have a huge impact on your personal financial success. Mm-hmm. So we provide financial planning services for people who are in that situation. And uh, that includes figuring out how and when to pay yourself as the owner of the business managing taxes, managing cash flow, all mm-hmm. this, all the day-to-day uh, financial stuff that comes with someone who's in that role. So the, the, back to your your original question, how did we get started? Mm-hmm. I, I got started like all entrepreneurs, I, I think, do. And that's that, you know, I, I had a great job. I had a really um, good-looking career trajectory at my former mm-hmm. firm. But there weren't a whole lot of financial planners that delivered this specific service, and it seemed like a whole bunch of people needed it. So there's demand for this this service. The market wasn't currently offering anything mm-hmm. quite like it, as far as I could tell, and it seemed like a good business opportunity. And alongside that, I really enjoy helping people and, and the entrepreneurial process on its own. So I quit quit my job to start this firm because it seemed like an opportunity, and that's um, that's certainly been, been true. We've, we've changed and grown a lot over the years, but, uh, um, that hypothesis was accurate. Awesome. Great to know that, man. Great to know. So would you just like to give something like how to plan finances for business owners, like how business owners can plan the financial stuff, you know? Yeah. A couple, a couple broad themes that I'll share that are probably helpful is number one, you, you kind of have to start with not necessarily the end in mind, but the trajectory you're trying to get to. Uh-huh. And the more clarity that you have around that, both within the business and your your household finances, the better. Because you can boil that back that down into, you know, a three-year vision of where you want your company to be. You know, if I want to get here in three years, then what am I going to have to do over the next 12 months to get there? If I want to get to that point in the next 12 months, what do I have to do every quarter between now and then and every month and every week? And just boil it down all into bite-sized pieces. And what tends not to work, I've found, is to have an idea for a company and and then say, uh, well, I, I want to grow it to $100 million of profit in the next five years mm-hmm. and have something just astronomical without any substance to it whatsoever. Yeah. That's that's not terribly helpful. <laughs> you know, you don't necessarily have to have uh, the exact end in mind 
but you have to have some idea of what you want to do with with your business and with your your life and your personal finances first to to provide some clarity around uh, business operations. Mm -hmm. Now, alongside that, any successful entrepreneur will tell you that you've got to focus on your customers and your product first yeah. and foremost, right? That goes that goes hand in hand with it. Whatever you're doing, whatever product or service you're you're delivering out there into the marketplace. You've got a, these concepts of minimum viable product. Don't wait yeah. until it's perfect. Just get it out into the marketplace to get some feedback. Always be soliciting feedback. Always grow. Try, try to grow your, your following and your base. All those concepts are kind of at the other end of the spectrum, right? If we have one end of the spectrum, keep the end in mind uh, to provide some guidance on strategy and what you're doing in a yearly or, or monthly basis. That's on one end, but then on the other end, you've got to constantly be getting feedback from your customers to, to develop your product. So operating with those two ideas kind of in tandem at all times is a really nice balance that I think a lot of people kind of forget about. Awesome. And so also tell me one more thing, you know, like being as an entrepreneur, everyone used to start with just one, being as an as like single person, you know, or maybe two or maybe three, you know. So how should they structure the organization, you know, if they're just getting started with one, two, or maximum three, you know? Yeah, when you're just getting started. So in in, in the U.S., you know, you have, uh, if, if you have business activities and you've done nothing else, you've not formed any kind of organization, it's a sole proprietorship where anything that happens uh, from a tax perspective in the business is basically born uh, the responsibility for that is you and you alone as is the risk so if you start a company you go out and start delivering some product or service into the marketplace and then you know let's say that they're ice cream cones and you go out and sell a bunch of ice cream cones and then it turns out that uh, there's some kind of poison in your ice cream cones mm. and somebody gets sick and they sue you if you have a sole proprietorship you have no legal protections oh, meaning right. that the Got plaintiff it. who comes after you can come after your personal assets, like your house and your bank account and your car. So if uh, from day one, if you're starting a business, usually the best thing to do is to establish a limited liability company Got or you. an LLC. It's not that expensive to do. You do it in your respective states. I live in California. In California, our local tax authorities uh charges $800 a year to have an LLC open. And I think that's about the most expensive in the US. Other states, will, it'll be like 50 or 100 bucks a year to maintain. Got it. So in that circumstance, you have uh, all the business activities. Mm. You're, you're still responsible as the individual for the tax ramifications of that, but it protects your personal assets. So if somebody sues you for selling, selling poison ice cream cones, if the LLC is structured successfully. Plaintiffs can come after the assets of the LLC, but not your own assets. Right. And that's that's important, right? If mm -hmm. you're just starting out in a business, yeah, we, we always want to limit risk as uh, as best we can. And this is a very reasonable way to do it. So now let's say you, you start having um, some growth and you pick up a couple of employees. Well, you, you might want to put the employees on payroll as uh, a bona fide W-2 people. And you might want to start paying yourself too. If you mm -hmm. take money out of the company and it's structured as an LLC, then you you basically just take cash out of a business bank account. You put it in your own bank account. Mm. That's that's it. You don't have to pay yourself a salary. It's pretty simple. 
anything that's left over after your expenses at the end of the year, you pay the social the self-employment tax on. Once you get more than maybe a hundred that seventy-five to a hundred thousand dollars in self-employment income, oftentimes it starts making sense to think about filing taxes as an S corporation. And what that means is you don't just keep whatever's left over at the end of the month or the end of the year. You actually start paying yourself a salary. And there's a couple of technical tax reasons I, I'm happy to dive into if you want to get into right, the details, right. but yeah. that that can that can save you a little bit on taxes um, by structuring things that way. And, and so um, the, the the technical reason why is, is I'll give you an example. Let's say you have two hundred thousand dollars of revenue. Uh-huh. So you have an LLC, $200,000 of revenue mm-hmm. and $100,000 of expenses. Right. Maybe some of that's, you know, the cost of ice cream cones. Maybe mm-hmm. it's a, you know, part-time yeah. um, employee, whatever. At the end of the year, you get to keep the $100,000 left over. You might not want to take all the cash out of the business and put it in your personal bank account because you probably mm-hmm. want to keep some working capital in the business account, but the $100,000 of profits, you have the responsibility to pay the tax on. In an LLC, since the taxation is still inextricably linked to your personal profile, that $100,000 you pay federal income tax on, that could be tw- at 12%, it could be 22, 24, 32, 35% based on your level of income, and 15.3% for self-employment taxes. When you're an employee somewhere and you, you're paid through W-2, you pay Social Security and Medicare taxes, which is 7.65%. When you're an employer and you you have to pay payroll tax on that, that's also 7.65%. So in an LLC, you have 100,000 bucks left over. The uh, self-employment tax is assessed on that. Guess what? In an LLC, you're the employee and the employer. Mm -hmm. So you get to pay both sides of it. That's why the self-employment tax is 15.3%. 7.65 plus 7.65, right? Now, if you file as an S-corp, you are you will start to pay yourself a wage through W-2. So let's continue with our example. You have 100,000 bucks left over at the end of the year, but now you're filing as an S-corporation. Of that $100,000, you might want to pay yourself a salary of $50,000 mm-hmm. to where now... You're operating, you have $200,000 of revenue at the top. You have $150,000 of expenses because remember, you've just added 50 grand to your expenses because you're that's what you're paying yourself in salary. And now you have $50,000 left over. Well, the benefit of doing that is that just like your other employee, the 50,000 you're paying yourself, you pay 7.65% on as the employee receiving the, the paycheck. And the business also pays 7.65% on as the employer, which is the exact same as the self-employment tax, 15.3%. But the 50,000 bucks remaining that you're not paying yourself through W-2 mm-hmm. gets could be distributed from the company back to your personal bank account. You do have to pay federal income tax on that, but you completely circumvent the 15.3% self-employment tax. So as companies grow, it's important to reevaluate entity structure, mm-hmm. cash needs for the business. Again, totally aligned with the the concept of 
um, you know, longer term strategic planning and focus on product and all that stuff. But <clears throat> it makes sense to reassess this because there are ways to optimize the structure of the organization from a tax and a cash perspective. And this is one really easy example. There is a downside of doing that. The uh, What I just described, the, the money that you put through payroll through W-2 and pay that 15.3% on, mm -hmm. that's your contribution to social security. So if you pay less into social security, that means that theoretically your benefit when it comes time decades down the road to draw on that social security benefit could be lower, right? And and there's uh, there's an argument for keeping your paycheck high uh, for that exact reason to be made, but it, it just depends on the the circumstances at the time. That's real, and and I think it's same goes to the C corp as well, like as it is in the S corp, is it? C-Corps are uh, a different animal. So S-Corporations are pass-through entities, just like LLCs, but you pay yourself a wage. And what I mean by pass-through is that 50000 bucks left over at the end of the year, you're passing back to yourself and you as the individual pay tax on that fifty grand. The mm -hmm. S-Corporation files its own tax return, but you're responsible to pay the tax on that, that money left over. A C-Corporation is not a pass-through entity. It's usually C-corporations are reserved for larger businesses with a wider uh, ownership base. But if in that example, if you have $200,000 of revenue, 150,000 bucks of expenses, including your own $50,000 salary, and then mm -hmm. 50,000 bucks left over, mm -hmm. the corporation will be the one to pay tax on that $50,000 left over. And the way the corporate tax work, uh, tax rates work, for some people, it's better to structure as a C-Corp because the corporate tax rate may be lower than uh, what you're paying as an individual. In some cases, that might not be the case. Uh, generally, what I see is that people with uh, smaller businesses who are organized as C-Corporations, it's more advantageous to give themselves an additional bonus at the end of the year and uh -huh. zero out the corporate profits. So if you pay yourself the 50 grand through W2, then you have $50,000 left over at the end of the year. It's usually better to just give yourself a bonus of $50,000 and pay income tax on that rather than distributing that from the corporation. And the reason is that the corporation pays tax on the $50,000 left over if it's not bonused out. And you as the individual pay tax on the receipt of it. So it's it's taxed twice in that circumstance, which is is why it's often better to uh, to bonus yourself out rather than pay two layers of tax. What feedback? Do, what feedback do you have for the C corporations? You know, like is it best to have it, or someone should go for the S corp? Like who sued? Like which, what kind of businesses sued to the C corp? You know, like with bigger visions, is it something like that? Bigger organizations, it's a better fit for us. So S corporations. Uh, you're not allowed to have more than 100 owners. So any company that is, that, that is taking venture money or private equity money or has a broad ownership base or wants to go public or something like that, you're almost always going to be a C corporation because that, that lends itself to, to broad ownership base. Mm -hmm. um, what, what fact pattern is best to have a C, corpora uh, C corporation? It's, it's one with, a rapidly uh, rising trajectory over the next three to five years. If, if you're going to take on money from investors, 
from a lot of different investors, there's a good chance you'll be better off as a C corporation. For most of the businesses we're working with, they're they're kind of your service oriented businesses, and revenues are like half a million to maybe five to eight million dollars a year. Yeah, and and they're they're not trying to go public. They're they're not trying to be a unicorn and and you know go to the moon or anything like that. Mm -hmm. They're just trying to grow a, a great organization that uh, is good for employees and is good for owners and is good for their customers and and other stakeholders. And for those people who are you know, more your your neighborhood local organizations, S corporations often make a heck of a lot of sense. Got it. Awesome. That's helpful. You know, that's helpful a lot. So now tell me the biggest question I think most of us used to have, like how to pay less in taxes legally. <laughs> yep. It's, you know, we want to make sure that we're operating uh, yeah. within the bounds of the law. Obviously, you know, there's, there's a, a big difference between tax planning in a way that's aligned with your personal intentions and, and tax evasion. We never, you know, want to want to evade taxes, but with the, organizations and individuals pay a lot of different layers of taxes. Mm -hmm. And so the, 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 the kind of cop-out answer, which is accurate, is that the right mechanism for you, right, the, the right lever to pull the right strategy depends on your personal circumstances. The, the strategy I, I described a minute ago, how you pay yourself, how much you pay yourself and when, that has a bearing on how much tax you pay. And, and really the right framework to use is just to map out what you're trying to do in the business and in your personal um, household finances over the next one, three, and five years. And then back into, you know, what are the opportunities I have to pay less in tax over that time horizon and beyond? And is that congruent with the vision I'm, I'm trying to accomplish? Uh, some, some very low-hanging fruit, though, I'll add, is that uh, company benefit plans are are usually low hanging fruit. If you have employees, you want to offer some kind of benefits. You can have group uh, life insurance. You can have group health benefits. Yeah. Um, retirement plans are a great great way to do it. You know, insurance. I, I would I would put like a four hundred one k plan or a simple IRA at at the top of the priority list because you put money into an account for your future benefit and your employees' future benefit. You get to deduct everything. Every mm -hmm. dollar that goes in from the company, you get to deduct, which is is helpful upfront. And you're saving assets in a tax deferred account, so that if you invest th those dollars and they go up over time, you don't pay tax on the growth until you pull the money out of the accounts. That's really powerful for for business owners. Uh, so I would put you know company benefit plans and you know life insurance and health and all that probably below that. Because they're costly, you know, the health benefits are are extremely important. Everybody needs to have them, but you often don't get to recoup that cost. Money you put in um, through a retirement plan is savings for growth, and it's all tax deferred. Yeah, that's real. That's cool. Awesome. So I just have one last question, you know, like, I think being as an entrepreneur, it's real. Like getting started with everything and then going from bottom to top probably, you know, and building the stuff out, building the business up. So how should entrepreneurs pay themselves like as an entrepreneur, you know, like in the beginning, like it's real hard for each and every entrepreneur like to pay themselves. 
because it's real, like pay tech, pay expenses, paying to the team, paying to the company, paying to all miscellaneous. How should they consider themselves? You got, you got to start with your business plan before you launch. You know, everybody likes to put together pro forma financials and uh, forecasts of what they think they're going to make. You're, you're always wrong in those kinds of um, situations. Mm -hmm. So what I like to uh, suggest people do is make sure you have enough runway in your personal life to give yourself a huge margin of error on your business expectations. If you think that it's going to take you um, 12 months to go from zero to profitable, yeah, where you're paying yourself a living wage, mm-hmm. make sure that you've got, you know, two years worth of living expenses saved up yeah. because chances are you're, you're, you're not going to, it's, it's, it's definitely not going to materialize the way you expect it. And odds are, it's probably going to be a lot slower. We all know, you know, what the failure rate is for, for small businesses is very, very high. Yeah. So the more cash that you can uh, set aside at set aside for yourself at the onset, the, the higher your chances of success long-term. So how do you pay yourself? Well, it, it, it depends on your, your operating structure, your strategic costs for the business. Usually businesses like to keep at least a little bit of cash in, in the company account. You know, in the LLC example that we were going over earlier, mm-hmm. if you think that you've got, um, let's say you have 50,000 bucks left over at the end of the year, do I keep it in the business or do I send it back to myself? In the pass-through entity, you're going to pay tax on it either way, regardless of where the, the cash sits. So I would go over my strategic plan and kind of forecast what my cash coming in versus cash going out and expenses look like over the next three to 12 months, and then use that as a decision surrounding how much to to take out of the business um that's that's the framework that you need to use and it can you know you can either pay yourself a monthly salary uh when you get stable enough to be comfortable with it or you can say i always want to keep ten thousand dollars in the business anything in excess of ten thousand dollars is what i'll take out every month to, to pay myself that's a reasonable way too got it and i think is this specifically just for the small business owners or with the small entities you know and what about the big entities who are like big corps, you know, like or having the bigger vision, you like or who are raising money from the investors? What do you want to say for them? Bigger organizations need to have more uh, thought around this. That you're you're right that I was describing more smaller businesses. Yeah. If you have a large organization with a bunch of employees, you ought to be paying yourself a reasonable salary that's commensurate with your efforts in the business, and that you're if you have investor money, you want to make sure that they're comfortable with it too. <laughs> and then usually in, investors will incentivize you through some kind of stock um, compensation plan, even if it's your company, right? It's it, there, there, You want to have mechanisms in there that um, make your interests aligned with your investors as, as best as possible. So if you're able to, to grow the value of the, the company 10x, you want to be rewarded by that somehow um, more so than, than just, just your salary and, and probably just your, your ownership stake. So there, there's all sorts of ways to do that and it gets really complex really fast. Um, but I think I would start with just reasonable salary and make sure that your interests are aligned with others that have um, power and clout in the organization. If there's a misalignment of interest, it's a recipe for disaster. It is. It is. 
Awesome. Any best advice do you have for anyone who is getting started with the entrepreneurship though? How should they structure themselves, their financial planning, their keeping their personal stuff in the, you know, like in safe zone and getting up into the business and having the things like run down as well and for the success, you know? That's pretty simple. My, I, I think you, I think you forecast how long it's going to take you to build the organization to produce a livable wage for yourself. Yeah. So figure out what all your living expenses are. What's, what's a reasonably comfortable place. Don't, don't uh, assume that you're going to go buy a Ferrari and a $4 million house, <laughs> you know, 12 months from now, just what's a, what's a, how are you living right now? And what is that costing on a monthly and annual basis? Make sure you have, so if, if it, you think it's going to take 12 months to get to the point where the business is kicking off enough cash to provide that, then I would want to double that in terms of cash runway. Yeah. Take however long you think it's going to take to build the business up to the point where it's self-sustaining and then double it. And that's how much cash you should have saved up before you start. Awesome. Cool. Awesome. Well, Grant, thank you so much for getting into the show. And I think it was lovely to have you in. I think audience will probably love the insights. This was pretty much helpful to save taxes, getting paying to themselves as a business owner and so on, because that's the big question in the market as well. So thank you for, well, the thanks for having me. It's great. Yeah. Great to chat. Uh, Rohit. Awesome. So yeah, that's all. Thank you so much for being in. My pleasure. Have a good rest of the week.